This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher, and if people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome back to Comedian vs. Economist. We've had a couple of weeks off and it is nice to be back and it's nice of you to join us. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Doing excellent. Thank you. Thomas, as investors, we're always looking for the next unicorn. Well, we found it. Uh, the Equity Mates merch store now has unicorn <laughs> T-shirts. Grab yourself a unicorn on a shirt right now at equitymates.com forward slash shop uh, or you can choose the classic embroidered Equity Mates logo uh, or even the old school Equity Mates retro uh, bull logo. There is literally something for everyone as long as you like one of those three. Uh, available right now at equitymates.com slash shop. But Thomas, massive show coming up as always. Dominion, makers of voting machines have settled their defamation lawsuit against Fox News. Apparently, the Fox News board took it to a vote, then realized they needed voting machines uh, and agreed to settle. Uh, Many governments, Thomas, have programs to keep kids off the streets. South Korea have launched a bold new plan to get kids on the streets. We'll see how that's working out. And Netflix is taking away their DVD rental service after 25 years. What next? Will Spotify follow suit and remove their mixtape catalogue? But first, Thomas, the RBA rate uh, paused rates while we we're away. Mm. Coincidence, or can we pretty safely say that without comedian versus economist, the RBA is like a rudderless vessel adrift <laughs> in a sea of confusion? <laughs> I guess if they hike again now that we're back on, yeah. then it's pretty much locked in, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Correlation equals condensation, and I reckon they're sweating <laughs> it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, what have the RBA been up to while we've been off? Yeah, so we had the, the oh, big news last week was the review into the RBA, the first one since they were became independent in the 90s, um, mm. once in a generation review. Um, <laughs> yeah, once in a generation. Just like a yeah. good flood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like a pandemic. Yeah. Once well, well once in a generation floods happen every three or four years up my True. way. Mm. So a bit more regular. But mm. yeah, so yeah, I mean nothing nothing major. If you're looking for sort of big shifts to the way monetary policy operates or the way we even think about the objectives of monetary policy, like whether we mm. you know, worth 
crushing people into unemployment just to keep inflation low. That question's not wasn't on the table. It's really just how do how do we do do the RBA better? Mm. And so it's really just sort of some tweaks around the edges is what we got. I, mean, why- I think that's what I think that's what the Australian public's been crying out for, to be honest. Amid <laughs> yeah. amid record pace of rate rate hikes <laughs> ten in a row, I think the Australian public were just saying, "Look, can you just tweak around the edges a little bit, please?" Yeah. <laughs> 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 and so what are the what are the what are they recommending yeah so yeah nothing they, well, major there was one what of the, they come out with well less meetings is one of the ones so <laughs> yeah, gone from 11 meetings a year to eight can't get 10 rate rises in a year if you only have eight meetings yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> nip that one in the bud fixed next oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, but that's what the Fed does. So it's, most of this stuff is just bringing into line with the Fed. Um, right. Yeah, more press conferences, more post-meeting statements. I'm going to get going to get votes by board members. Not not we, don't, we won't know who voted for what, but we'll get an, we'll get an idea of the number of votes. So who voted for rate hikes and who didn't? Oh, yeah. We should be yeah, that'll be kind of interesting. Um, yeah, probably, probably the, the, one of the big shifts is that we're getting rid of the board of business professionals. So largely the um, RBA board works a bit like a corporate board. So you have business leaders on that who then listen to the governor make his pitch for his recommendations and mm-hmm. then vote, vote on whether they agree with that or not. Historically, I, I don't even think there's ever, even a case definitely not recently where the board has voted against what the governor has recommended. And so right. sort of an idea that maybe instead of people from the business community have, you know, talents in their own areas, but what you actually want there is people with expertise in economics and monetary policy. Mm, and they might be boring though, wouldn't it? It'd be boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get like, I don't know, like Jerry Harvey from Harvey Norman in there, like the business community involved. That's an interesting meeting. Mm. You get a bunch of economists to join the RBA. <laughs> <laughs> Some policy experts in monetary policy, did you say? Like yeah. that's, no one wants to sit. Yeah. No wonder they want no. less meetings. They've less invited. That probably that proposal for for less meetings came immediately following the decision to invite more economists and, and monetary policy experts to the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, if they're all coming, I propose less meetings. <laughs> Uh, yeah. There was some discussion of more economists, at, uh, sorry, more comedians at the meeting, but uh, that one that got mixed. Uh, no yeah. vision, no, no vision, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the the other thing that I thought I think might be interesting is that they're gonna. There's a requirement that the RBA has to explain how long they'll think inflation and full employment will deviate from their targets. Mm. So the RBA has had a mandate for full employment and inflation or stable currency, as it used to be called, um, since its inception. (laughs) Not a stable coin? No, no, not a stable coin, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I need to update that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but in in practice, the full employment one was sort of pushed to the side and they just just focused on inflation. Mm. That might still be the case in practice, but if they've got to publish 
uh, you know, how long they think they're going to deviate from full employment, that might center employment more into their thinking and into their discussion. Have we got full employment now? Like, or, or just recently? I feel like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, typically, yeah, we're, I think we're under full employment now. I think like it's right. four to four and a half percent sort of where current estimates are. I mean, it's okay. interesting because we, there's no fixed definition of it. And that, that's, just, that's just the current economic <laughs> thinking at the moment. Something for the next meeting, so perhaps yeah. whack it on the agenda. Come yeah, up with a definition yeah. for full employment, given it's a target, mm-hmm. given we're going to focus on it now, we probably should know when we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, it has been this sort of vague thing that sort of sits in the background, but these requirements seem to centre it more, which which will be interesting. And interesting because often the criticism is that inflation targeting has an employment um, cost. Right. That if you jack up rates to target inflation, that can potentially lift unemployment particularly if you're in a, in a cost push, you know, stagflationary scenario, mm. that's going to, that can push up employment. So there's sometimes a trade-off there. So it'd be quite interesting to, that, to see the RBA, how the RBA works with that and to explain both of that. And that should bring that sort of trade-off more into popular discourse, which could shift how we sort of start to think about monetary policy. Mm. So from a big picture, that's sort of the only one I think is kind of that might shift the way we think and do monetary policy, but, right. but maybe not. We'll have to see how it plays out in practice. So would this would this uh, review have been any different if it had happened pre-COVID? Like has COVID sort of changed or was that the, the need for the review? Like, No, I mean, yeah, it's interesting like a lot of the focus from the media has been on like the aggressiveness of the recent rate hikes and Phil mm. Lowe predicting no rate hikes until 2024. Um but that wasn't what the review was about. The review was sort of launched, I think, even pre-COVID. So, and that was about the RBA missing on the on the downside too much, and that's what sort of mm. drove the review. Um, yeah, and there's nothing here that really would have shifted the way that the RBA would have responded to COVID and mm. the aggressiveness of the rate cuts, and then the aggressiveness of the rate hikes, and even Phil Lowe's statements. Like, there's a require like one of the recommendations is that he does a press conference after each each meeting, mm. um, like the way they do with the Fed. So, which would mean more statements that are potentially misleading if he's sort of, you know, he's just required to speak off the cuff as people ask him questions that could create more, um, mm. misdirection potentially. So yeah, it's, it's not clear that, you know, these recommendations would have prevented any of the things that people are, you know, today are a bit upset about with the course through COVID. Don't think any, mm. any of that would really have changed it. No. Oh, I look forward to, I might see if I can get in the press gallery and ask Phil a few questions at the first one. Just yeah. uh, <laughs> see what he got to say. All right, Thomas, Fox News settled their defamation case with Dominion Voting Systems last week. What's this story all about? Yeah, this is this is all kinds of fascinating. So it was a US $787.5 million settlement. Hmm. Very specific number, but that's what they came up with. What was so it? Sorry, seven hundred eighty-five million. Seven hundred eighty-seven point five million dollars oh, okay. US dollars. One point two billion Aussie. So right. it's a lot of money. Hmm. Basically, Fox News said that Voting Dominion Systems had enabled election fraud during the twenty twenty election, hmm. and that was false, shown to be false, and they knew it was false and still were, still were publishing it. Was that was that that was what Dominion's. Um, 
was alleging. Right. And, yeah, so it didn't go to court, which, you know, would have been super fascinating to see that all play out in court. But we did mm. get a lot of information. Dominion managed to gather, gather together a whole bunch of texts and emails from within Fox, yeah, which showed that, seemed to show that, Fox knew that what they were saying about Dominion was false, but they went mm. and went ahead and did it anyway because they were afraid of losing losing uh, viewers. Right? Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's a pretty high stakes kind of thing. Like I can understand why Dominion went in because someone's accusing them of going like your machines were no good in this government election, mm. and Dominion would be like, well, it's pretty important that we keep the government as a customer because we make voting machines. Like if yeah. you lose government as a customer, mm. then you're pretty much just left with like, what are you left with? You're competing with show of hands at the local <laughs> footy club AGM. <laughs> like what do you do yeah. with what do you do with four million voting machines if you don't have the government as a customer? Mm. Um so yeah. yeah, that's right, and and that's what they're saying. They that, that Ohio they lost a contract with Ohio for a state government election because of Trump's supporters mm, pushing back right. against them. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's um, so that's the material material losses there. But, but the, right. the series of events is here is really fascinating. So so Trump lost the election. Mm. Um, Fox declared Arizona, which was a bit of which was contentious at the time. But then Rupert Murdoch sent an email to his to the CEO of Fox saying, look. Trump, Trump's lost. So he's obviously lost. Hmm. Um, he's going to look like a sore loser now. We should make sure our hosts don't look like sore losers as well. And so there was a directive at the top in, from day one that we shouldn't, that Fox shouldn't buy into the stolen election narrative. Right. So, so Fox News wasn't buying into the stolen election narrative. But then <laughs> Fox Business News which is like this small subsidiary of Fox went, oh, hang on, there's an opportunity here because people were, people were annoyed. Like, mm. you know, like not job Trump supporters were like threatening to blow up Fox and stuff. Mm. And so Fox business users went, oh, well, there's a, there's an opportunity there. So they got, so, um, Maria Bartiromo who invited a lawyer called Sidney Powell, who was, for a while was Trump's lawyer onto her morning show on Fox Business News. Mm. She and Sydney Powell said she had these explosive claims and she forwarded an email to Bartiromo by a woman called Marlene Bourne, mm. who is an artist from Minnesota who makes cactus art using oh, yeah. glitter and crystals. <laughs> <laughs> right. And in this email. That's, that's your go-to, isn't it? That's, yeah. Yeah. Nothing says credible source like <laughs> cactus artist. <laughs> I don't even know what cactus art is. <laughs> right. Anyway, so Bourne claims that there, there were voting irregularities and they mm. had a common thread that they were all being, you, the states where the voting irregularities were were using Dominion voting systems. Mm. Um, and so that was this explosive revelation. They said, how do you know this? And she mm. says, I have vivid dreams which mm. are like time travel and sometimes I listen to the wind. Yes, yes. No, yeah. that's, yeah. No, that, yeah. <laughs> that all checks out. Um, <laughs> she also, she also claimed she had been internally decapitated in a car accident in 1992 right. and shot in the back by the FBI in 2018. Mm. But okay. she's still alive. But she's still alive. Yeah. Um, and she's so, growing cactuses or cacti, sorry. Cacti. <laughs> Don't want to risk a defamation lawsuit here. Um, 
So she's so maybe she maybe she grew a, a cactus in the shape of a T and was like, well, that's if, if you want evidence, here it is. There's a cactus in the shape of a T for Trump. He should have won. Um, now I'll provide you with some expertise on voting systems. Yeah. So Bartiromo, the presenter on Fox Business News, has seen this email from Bourne, right? Mm. Who is clearly all kinds of crazy, and Sydney Powell's going to talk about it, and she's like, yeah, bring it on. And then this sort of thing blows up. So mm. it becomes like, okay, now, all right, so we're seizing. So Fox News then, so Bart Romo launched it, a few of supporters launched it, then the big names on Fox started getting behind it because they wanted to get their base back. Some of their base had switched off because Fox wasn't wasn't championing the stolen election narrative. And so they started, this thing started to blow up. <laughs> it's such a f- crazy concept that, you would stop watching the news because the news stopped supporting your views. Like in mm. like in Australia, I mean, I know we've got sort of right-leaning, left-leaning news sources and whatever, but it's such a crazy, like I just grew up watching the news as this, that's where you found out what was happening. You expected mm. the truth. You expect mm. to be told what's going on. It's such a crazy scenario to think people are like, well, this channel, channel nine nightly news has stopped telling me what I want to hear. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's—I mm. think it's what this lays bare—is that this is the mm. narrative. So, right. yeah. So this, so all, all the Fox presenters started like wanting to jump on this, and mm. and the CEO Susan Scott's email Rupert Murdoch says, oh, "I think we've lost control of the presenters, and people are really liking the story. <laughs> it's time to pivot." Quote, quote, unquote. Mm. It's time to pivot. And yeah, and so they start, then they sort of go all in on the Dominion voting machine, stealing the things. Dominion sends 3,600 fact-checking emails to Fox. Every, mm. time, every time someone said something stupid about Dominion, they said, no, that's actually not true. Yeah. But then people at Dominion but start. They, well, they forwarded Dominion's emails to the crystal cactus lady and yeah. for, for review. <laughs> and she came back and said, no, no, stick to your guns. Dominion voting systems don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I've got the scoop. I've yeah. checked with the future and this all ends well for you guys, <laughs> trust me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double down here. Double down. Yeah, yeah. So they did. And so then, then staff at Dominion Voting Systems start receiving death threats mm. and someone is found outside their offices with a long-range rifle. What? Dominion has to spend $600,000 on security for their staff. Wow. But then but the, thing that, the thing that's super interesting is like Dominion's got all these text messages and emails f- from the staff and from like from the, from the key, the flagship presenters like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and those guys, and they're all saying like, wow, this woman's a nut job. Mm. Like she's on shrooms or something. There's a quote saying, oh, she's on shrooms and cocaine. Cactus juice but probably. Cactus, yeah, probably cactus. So they're saying that privately like she's obviously a nut job, mm. yet publishing, repeating the claims on, on television saying like, yep, this is what's happening. There's questions about voting dominion system. We need to look into it. Rah, 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 stolen election, can't believe it. Mm. Yeah, and but then also at the same time saying like, yeah, we need to get our base back. We're losing voters. Our share price is falling. We need to get them, get them back. We're going to go with this. And so, and this is this is what, so there's a, there's an interesting legal hurdle that, that Dominion had to clear, which is to show that not only did they just accidentally present the wrong facts or present mm. them as opinion, but there was what they call, quote, actual malice that there was a deliberate attempt to, uh, you know, a deliberate idea to to 
publish things that weren't true in order to boost their their share price and their their revenue. Oh, okay. Like not malice as in they wanted to take down Dominion voting systems. No. That's some vendetta against this mach- these machine no. makers. They, no, no. <laughs> right. No, okay, yeah. malicious no, they, as in, yeah. Yeah. They had, so they had to show that they were deliberately doing it for the money Mm. And then, and then every lawyer who looked at all these emails and text messages that came back said, "Like, oh, this looks pretty like a pretty good case. There's a pretty good chance Dominion's going to win, even though that's a really high legal hurdle to clear. Mm. Kind of looks like they're probably going to get it. Yeah, right. Um, which is, and so that's ultimately why why um, Fox settled. So they're they're big on they're big on free speech in the states. They've got a, an amendment. I forget which one, which mm. number. Fifth Amendment, Amendment mm. First. I don't know. Yeah, the, don't the know. not guns one. The other one they like to quote. Mm. Um, so none of the none of this because these, these were mm. opinions on Fox, were they, or, mm. or did they drift into news? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love, I, <laughs> did they switch to reporting, or did, were they just, or were they always opinions? Well, this yeah, this is the thing. Like you can kind of get away with it. And there, there was another defamation lawsuit in 2020 mm. against Tucker Carlson, and Fox successfully defended that and argued that the general, quote, general tenor of Carlson's show should inform viewers that he's, quote, not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses Mm -hmm. and is instead engaging in, quote, exaggeration and non-literal commentary. Making shit up, as we call it here in Australia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Even though he's on a news channel, it's not literal facts. (laughs) And that was a successful defense. Right. And, the, yeah. and this is and sort of saying, well, we're entertaining, and you know, we're throwing things up. But I think where where this where this crossed the line is that mm. it was clearly people clearly understood that the, the, that the voting story wasn't true. There was no right. basis to it, and yet they were peddling it because and their motivations were laid clear in the emails and text messages that they thought it was going to make them more money. And so yeah. that's where you lose your protection of free speech or that, well, that no longer becomes relevant because you're saying stuff in order to make money mm. and that's what Fox was doing. Right. So mm. I suspect I know the answer to this question, but do you reckon this is going to change anything about Fox News or the way they go about it? Like is this, was this just cost of doing business? You look at, look at the way they pivoted and pivoted twice through that and then eventually now they're sort of backed away somewhat from Trump and after the sort of the insurrection and the January 6th. Mm. It's kind of clear they didn't really know what they were doing, and they and there was and the and the presenters were running their own show, and there wasn't an ability to control them. The lawyers were kind of freaking out, going, "Oh, whoa, he's saying stuff that's going to get us in trouble," but we couldn't stop mm. him. So it was kind of like a, the picture it paints of how Fox operates is kind of chaotic. Mm. So I think like they might try to like I think they'll learn the lesson. Like it's, it's expensive; it's the biggest defamation suit on record. I think so. You know they don't want to. They don't want that kind of cost coming around regularly. So they're going to get more clear about that. But I think <laughs> you know they'll be a bit more careful. I just imagine them like just going. You know what? I think we can expect more of these. We'll set up a defamation department within Fox, and yeah. we'll just factor it into the business plan. Like yeah, yeah. just that'll be the. Yeah. <laughs> please direct all inquiries to our defamation department for. <laughs> Payouts in 30 to 90 days. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, all right, we'll take a break here, grab a word from this week's sponsors, and we will be back with more comedian versus economists, including South Korea's plan to give kids money to go on the streets, as well as what is happened to Netflix's DVD rental service. Back with more right after this. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And today's episode is brought to you by IG. IG has a great platform which provides enormous amounts of information and guidance on how to be a better investor. But they also want to teach investors how to master their mind to avoid the problems that beset even the best investors. And Thomas, today we're going to take a look at South Korea because <laughs> seemingly uh, Comedian versus Economist is your home of South Korean information <laughs> after a uh, story a couple of weeks ago on the 69-hour work week. Um, but this week we're looking at their plan to get kids out of the house, get kids out, out onto the streets uh, to the point that they're prepared to pay them to do so. Uh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this isn't about all kids. This mm. is about um, recluses. Right. Yeah, so saying there's a bit of a problem, say 3% of South Koreans between the age of 19 and 39 are considered lonely or secluded. Right, so not young, young kids either, like when we talk, when we say kids. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're 12, get out there. Um. <laughs> no, well, no, like that's just targeted from pe- from the ages of nine up. So they're trying, oh, right. to, trying to get it before it becomes a problem. Mm. So this is uh, it's an interesting one. The term is called hikikomori, which is, right. describes people who have withdrawn from society. It was initially mm. a, a Japanese term that like sort of surfaced first in Japan and was first identified. There's yeah. a million hikikomori in Japan. Like people who just like don't leave their rooms, don't leave their house. I was reading right. a story the other day about a 52-year-old man who hasn't left the house since he was 22. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I do plan to get out soon, but (laughs) 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 pretty comfortable. I think it's not a comfort thing. It's not that they're just like, oh, just being home is too good. Is they're actually Mm. become so afraid of the outside world, so intimidated by interacting with other people Mm. that they just stay home and, and can't deal with it. And then, and because they, and then kind of the way ja- Japan and, and maybe Korea too is sort of culturally set up, the, the parents don't kick them out onto the street. They just kind of just set them up in their room and just kind of live with it. <laughs> Lock the door and walk away. <laughs> walk away. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Just, yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah, so the South Korean government's trying to, trying to get ahead of this and, yeah, so they've got money to sort of stop, you know, to encourage people to get out. Yeah, potentially thousands of dollars. So it can include four hundred ninety dollars a month just for general living expenses. You know, you know what that's going on. <laughs> New iPhone, maybe yeah. maybe upgrade the gaming rig. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Get some water cooling on your graphics card or something. I don't know. Yeah, Uber, Uber Eats. <laughs> Uber Eats. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe you've got to prove. You've got to show receipts from. 
somewhere 10 kilometers outside your house or something. Yeah. It's like the anti-COVID restrictions, like where you couldn't travel more than 10 k's away from your home. Here you need to demonstrate that you've traveled at least 10 k's from your, from your address. Yeah. yeah Sorry, but, I know this is a serious thing. Just, no, just, yeah, mm. yeah, it is. But yeah, this is, so it's not just that. There's, yeah, job counseling, counseling education, health support. Right. Yeah, so it's just trying to get ahead of this. I mean, I, I find this interesting because, you know, it's, it's surfaced in Japan. We're now seeing it in Korea. I feel like, you know, we, it's one of the things like, oh, it couldn't happen in Australia, it couldn't happen in America. But mm. there's, a, there's a large number of, of people, particularly young men, who are withdrawing from the world. Yeah, and, you, you know, computers give them still some access to the world and in, in a controlled interaction kind of setting so they can kind of... Yeah, just stop interacting with real humans. Hmm. I think it's going to be, you know, particularly as we get into the metaverse, I think we'll, this will be more and more of an issue. So I think it's just interesting that Korea is sort of jumping on it now. All right, so do you reckon this is going to work? Oh, I mean, I think, I mean, this is probably, you know, probably positive at the margins. So it's interesting, like I was looking at on, on IG's trading hub about, you know, how you work with fear. Like hmm. particularly as a trader, you want to, you know, you don't want to be driven by fear because that's going to drive you into, into poor trades. Yeah, and looking at sort of the way you overcome fear, money's not going to help, but like really there's a lot of internal work you've got to do. And there's sort of seven steps for overcoming fear that, that I could see. Oh, you got a list. I've got a list. I, yeah, can, I, I can feel a lo- list coming on. Yeah, I know you love, you love your lists. Mm. Yeah, the, so the first one is understand the value of your fears. So they're designed to protect you. Um, you don't want to just feel ashamed about be- being fearful. You don't want to push your fears into the shadow. You just got to see like, oh, yeah, they're just part of the story of being human and they're okay. Yep. So that's, 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 a, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Two, you got to understand where your, your fears come from. So they come from the amygdala, which is your lizard brain. Um <laughs> You know, yeah, right. you know this idea. Like we got a as a human, you got your lizard brain, then you got your your mammalian brain, then you got your human brain. Like they're kind of like three things. What? I've never, I've never heard that before. That we really? have a lizard brain. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way the way you know the way we've evolved, we never like went back and decommissioned the old architecture. We just tacked stuff, new stuff on the front of it. Right. Yeah. So that's why you got your lizard, your reptilian brain, which is which which all rep, reptiles have. You, I don't want to. I don't want to divert too far, of course, here. But I thought mm. we evolved from monkeys and and apes. Yeah, but lizards before that. Oh. I think. <laughs> <laughs> You're going way back. Way back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm grossly oversimplifying the topic. But <laughs> no, no. I think that's bang on. Yeah. <laughs> Any kids out there listening? We were lizards, then we were monkeys, then we were people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now go outside yeah. and play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got so you got your lizard brain, which mm. controls your fear and controls your flight and f- fight response. Mm. Um, and saying it's it's good at discerning fears and, and responding to fears, but it doesn't distinguish between mortal dangers and growth challenges. Right. And so you just got to just got to be aware that your lizard is going to overreact to fears from yep. time to time, and that's just a reality you got to deal with. Third one is that you got to identify fears and put some definition on them. So, like, if you're afraid of losing money in your trading, like, what are you actually afraid of? Is it mm. the embarrassment of losing money? Is it the financial insecurity that it might create? You know, like to to really get into the define it with definition so you understand exactly what is driving your fears. Mm-hmm. You know. To, not just the broad context. Number four, you got to explore the downside. So if you can convince yourself that, um, you know, if you can live with the results, like if your fears came true and you go like, oh yeah, I might lose some money, but Mm. I'll be okay. I'll get through it. I'll bounce back. If you can kind of, you know, 
convince yourself that you'd be okay with the downside if your fears were realized that helps take some of the sting out of the fear yeah and um, we've talked about that sort of stuff before too about having a plan and having kind of Mm. you know going into it with your you know your plan in place your horizon set kind of going all right well Mm -hmm. um you know you're in it for the long haul and there will be ups and downs and all the rest of it yeah number five is you focus on the goals on the other side of your fears you know what you're trying to get towards so that helps you build the motivation to to take your fears on and try to overcome them so help yeah build up your motivation number six something kind of cool called fear ladders kind of seems like the only way to sort of tackle fear is your fears is with kind of exposure with sort of just acclimatization to them. So which means just going into them and, and learning to deal with them. Yeah, this is so like if someone's got an intense fear of spiders, mm. the fear ladder you build is you start by looking at, at pictures of flowers that kind of look like spiders. Mm. And then you, and then you, you know, smash the spider with your ladder. <laughs> <laughs> that you built WWE style like a chair from the side of the ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, not that, not that. <laughs> yeah, so you see, you look at you look at a picture of a flower that looks like a spider until you're okay with that, and then you look right. at a picture of a flower that looks a lot like a spider until you're okay with that, and then you might mm-hmm. look at a a spider, a picture of a spider where the spider's really far away in the distance until you're mm. okay with that. And then you bring the few close. So you sort of like step up and up and up until you can come to terms with the thing that you're afraid of. And you're much less likely to be seeing any spiders while you're spending so much time looking at pictures of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good distractive technique too. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now you're bringing a lot to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be at the top of a ladder where the spiders can't get you. Yeah, but then, and then the last one, which I think is interesting, is to reframe your fear as a challenge. So mm. humans like challenges. We like we like playing computer games because we like the challenge involved. Facing, you know, f- the feeling of fear is really the feeling of challenge, but with a you know a negative spin on it. So yeah try to sort of like move into the positive side of the coin and be like, okay, I'm not afraid right now. I'm actually just feeling challenged. Right. Um, and, you know, that helps reframe the whole story. I'm challenged because all my shares have <laughs> got to zero. <laughs> all right. Well, if you are ready to conquer your fears and you're ambitious, ready to put in the work and improve your trading, then it's time to step up from your entry-level platform to IG. IG is where traders are made. Search Master Your Trading Mind or head to the Master Your Trading Mind hub on IG.com to find out more. All trading involves risk, issued by IG Australia Proprietary Limited, ABN 9309658410, AFSL 515106. All right, finally, Thomas, just quickly, uh, we got a trading update from Netflix last week. Anything worth watching? Yeah, Netflix turned a profit, which, you know, um, $5.6 billion uh, yep. in 2022, which is a good outcome, particularly in the context like all the other, it's the only streaming service to be turning a profit. Uh, mm-hmm. Disney, Warner Brothers, Peacock and Paramount lost $14 billion collectively. So, yeah, they're doing well, but uh, to, yeah, was a little disappointing. The market was a little disappointing in some of the mm. numbers. So not a super good result, but yeah, challenges ahead. Cause I think the challenge for Netflix is their competitors have lots of money. They're going up against Amazon. They've got mm. deep pockets. So they need to sort of 
but they're, but they're making a profit. So a good news story for, Am- for Netflix. The mm. thing that I thought was interesting is that they're, they're canning their DVD by mail service. That's how they started. That's their, that's that's their a, bread and mm. butter. That's the origin story. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm. Mm. It's still going. Yeah. <laughs> it's still going. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah they started in 1998. Yeah. The, first, the first DVD they shipped was Beetlejuice. Right. Um, yeah, and yeah, they've they've yeah they had a DVD by mail service. Five point two billion discs mm. have shipped shipped around America. Wow, that's gonna that's gonna annoy the person who's still using the service. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't t- didn't say how many there are, but I think it at, at its peak in two thousand and ten, which is not that long ago. Mm. They had they had twenty million subscribers. Yeah, I've got to think that's probably you know in the single digits now. Mm. I mean, maybe not. As in single digits in terms of like one person. Like, yeah. Three people. Three or four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, imagine this news of just one guy somewhere going, what? How am what? I going to finish <laughs> watching House of Cards? <laughs> Give me my, get me my letter writing pen, Doris. It's time I send this Netflix a letter. Yeah. Aside from shutting down the DVD rental service that no one's using, was there any updates on the password sharing crackdown by any chance? Mm. Asking for a friend, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So this is going well. They've so they're trialing password crack, sharing crackdown in four markets: Portugal, Spain, New Zealand, and Canada. Mm. Said they were happy with how that was going. Um, said that in Canada, their paid membership base is now larger than before the crackdown, mm. and revenue growth is faster in the US. So yeah, so I think it looks like they're happy with it, and they're going to start extending it globally you know, sometime within the year, I think. I was discussing streaming services at a barbecue on Saturday night and I share streaming services. Please don't come at me, Netflix. But as as most other people were, I was talking to did as well and we did think that maybe one of the dangers of getting, of cracking down on passwords and getting rid of sharing is that sharing really locks you in. Like if you're sharing your account with three people and you're all sharing the cost, then you're much less likely to go. Mm. I might just drop drop out for two months, like because yeah. Anna and I, the ones that we pay for individually, we're much more inclined to just shut them down for two months or or a month or three months or whatever, and try and just have like have a, a maximum number of streaming services that we're using at any one time. And so we mm. have Netflix mm. this month. Then we'll switch to Stan. Then we'll switch to Binge, whatever. Mm. Um, whereas the ones that I share with people, not looking at anyone, Thomas, mm. um, the ones I share with people, I'm much less likely to take a month off. So mm. I would think that they would make more money by allowing people to share. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's probably right. It actually reminds me, I did mean to tell you I'm going to take a month off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's all right. You don't pay me anyway. Uh, all right. Very good. All right. Why don't we leave it there? Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, a bit of a, a topsy-turvy episode today. Uh, first week back, we'll be back in the saddle in no time. We look forward to you joining us again next time on Comedian versus Economist. It's bye for now. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 54067.